Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to our friendly neighborhood podcast. Yes, it's very friendly. It's very... Adult-friendly. <laughs> Not that kind of friendly. God damn it. Well, you know what time it is, boy? What time is it? It's spooky season. Ooh. So we're going to celebrate it by reading some creepy pastas. Gabe has more of his holders... I have some decent ones. I think I might have got a shitty one in there. I can't remember. Let's begin the spookiest of seasons. All hail spookness. All hail Satan. Spooky. Hey, you want to start or should I? Uh, I'll start. I'll start with one I just found. So (laughs) if it's really bad... uh. We'll just edit it out, and you'll be the one that starts. Nice. Okay. So I only saved two for some reason. Nice. Okay, so this one is called Sarah O'Bannon. Mm. All right. Coffins used to be built with holes in them attached to six feet of copper tubing and a bell. The tubing would allow air for victims buried under the mistaken impression they were dead. Harold, the... Oakdale Gravedigger, upon hearing the bell, went to go see if it was children pretending to be spirits. Sometime it was also the wind. This time it wasn't either. A voice from below begged and pleaded to be unburied. You, Sarah O'Bannon? Yes, the voice assured. You were born on September 17th, 1827? Yes. The gravestone here says you died on February 19th. No, I'm alive. It was a mistake. Dig me up. Set me free. Sorry about this, ma'am. Harold said, stepping on the bell to silence it and plugging up the copper tube with dirt. But this is August. Whatever you is down there, you ain't alive no more. (laughs) You ain't coming up. Oh, I get it. Because she died on February and it's August. So she's been down there for... Is that what the story was about? (laughs) I was trying to figure out what the fuck is he talking about? (laughs) Grace us, oh sticky one. (laughs) Behold, I am the lord of the sticky fingers. Everything I touch becomes sticky. Why so sticky? Icky. What are you sticky with? It has been so many years, I do not remember. (laughs) All the stickiness. Alright then. So, this is a continuing from where last left off with the Holder series. This one is called the Holder of Light. You enter the main facility via the first floor and go to the front desk. Clear your throat and relax. However, do not look Look at the worker straight in the eyes while asking the question. And be sure to close your own eyes and keep them closed before requesting to be introduced to the holder of light. You will be led to a single door deep in the basement after taking a long rickety elevator ride. Keep in mind that you must have closed your eyes this entire time. Do not open them no matter what. The door leading to a long winding hallway and then you are told to open your eyes. Open the door. The hallway beyond would be pitch black. 
but narrow enough for you to feel the walls and outstretch without stretch arms and guide yourself forward. If at any point during your trek down the hall it is suddenly bright and light, shut your eyes immediately and quickly make your way back to the door you came through. If your eyes stay open for more than a second, what you see will force you to instinctively, instinctively tear them out, my baby. And tear out your eyes? Yep. Damn, boy. Whatever you see, it must be really that bad. Oh, man, if you walk into another screening of Morbius... Probably. Probably. <laughs> Not again. I've already seen this once! I don't want to see it again. <laughs> Please, anything but this. It's not Morbin time. If, on the other hand, the lights stay off long enough for you to navigate the entire corridor, you will reach another door. Look down. If you can see any light escaping from the crack beneath the door, flee immediately. For what you seek is not there. If no light escapes to the next room, then carefully turn the doorknob and enter. The room beyond will be completely black, dark, aside from a single dimly lit candle at its center. The faint light it emits will reveal the outline of a cloaked, motionless figure huddled over it. There is only one question that he will respond to. What can protect us from them? Say anything else, and this man will tear out your eyes and force you to take his place another cloak for the rest of eternity. So don't you dare ask where the bathroom is. There's no bathroom. That's why. Where's the bathroom? I just had this shit. Get the fuck away. If you ask the proper question, a piercing scream will ring out from the candle and a series a series of lights will illuminate the room, revealing images of the most horrifying thoughts fantasies and memories experienced by sentient minds throughout history. Damn. Most people cannot handle this event, turning violently insane or perishing instantly at the sight of such horrors. If you should somehow manage to survive the ordeal, the cloaked man will rise slowly and put his hands on your head, turning your gaze to meet his useful face, stare directly into his empty, gaping eye sockets. Gaping. For if you look away from that terrible sight, you will be stranded in this room, forever forgotten by time itself. No. Do not turn to look as he opens your right hand and place a small round object upon your palm. As that object touches your hand, you will find yourself able to ignore even the most fearsome agonies, unless you are in the presence of obtaining another object. For the pains you feel, then, are far beyond any worldly sufferings. Know that even this newfound power will never help you cope with the horrifying images you have witnessed in that room. They will be burned into your memories for all of eternity. The eye you hold in your hand is Object 5 of 538. The awakening has begun. They must not be brought back together. Yeah, that's the hold of light. It was an eyeball. It's an eyeball. Yay. Woo. I got an eyeball. I got an eyeball. Well, might as well just continue on with this shit. I think, I think people have probably heard this one before, but this one is called The Statue. 
Number two, the statue. A few years ago. Why are you reading that like that? <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I can't carry on like that. Please don't. A few years ago, a mother and father decided they needed a break, so they wanted to head out for a night on the town. They called their most trusted babysitter. When the babysitter arrived, the two children were already fast asleep in bed. So the babysitter just got to sit around and make sure everything was okay with the children. Later that night, the babysitter got bored and went to watch TV. But she couldn't watch it downstairs because they did not have cable downstairs. So she called them and asked them if she could watch cable in the parents' room. Of course, the parents said it was okay, but the babysitter had one final request. She asked if she could cover up the angel statue outside the bedroom window with a blanket or cloth because it made her nervous. The phone line was silent for a moment and the father, who was talking to the babysitter at the time, said, Take the children and get out of the house and we'll call the police. We don't have an angel statue. The police found both of the children and the babysitter slumped in the pools of their own blood. Within three minutes of the call, no statue was found. Damn. But yeah, I've heard of that one before. What was the statue? Who the fuck knows? It's probably that, um, uh, probably Richard Chase. Probably. Who knows? It could have been anyone. Alright, now comes the sixth holder. The holder of song. A what? A song. Song? Song. Oh, sick. I'm gonna get a fucking breakdown from this holder. I don't know, we're about to find out. Enter the main facility via the first floor and go up to the front desk. Clear your throat and relax before asking in a stern and calm voice to be introduced to the holder of song. Should the worker give you a look of disgust, leave and do not come back. Do not talk of the event. Should the worker give you a look of a mixture of happiness and pity, you are free to follow. You will then be guided to a long staircase that spirals deeper than the building seems to have ever been dug. At the stairs end is a door. As you open the door, a sudden wave of heat will pour out from the hallway beyond it. Proceed down the hallway. As you walk, the air around you will grow increasingly frigid. Then you will feel as, as if you are encased in ice. You must stand perfectly still, remain silent, and listen. If after a few seconds pass, you hear a baby crying, turn and run. No harm will befall you, but the infant's cry will follow you wherever you go. You will hear it for the rest of your life. Count yourself lucky, if that's the case. If and when it stops, your firstborn child will die. What? Ouch. Damn. Yep. Damn. Yep. What if you don't have a firstborn? Well, I guess you'd just be hearing it. If you do not hear a baby's crying, however, wait for the hallway to grow warm once more and then proceed to the door at its end. Enter the room beyond and enter. The room beyond will be awash in a green light as its center will be a young woman turning the handle of a sandy music box. Her legs have both been severed at the knees. When you speak to her, you must look her in the eyes. 
She hides a spear fashion from from the bones of her legs. Damn. Break eye contact and she will impale you with it. L- leave you to bleed to death in seemingly unending agony. She will respond to only one question. What was the song they just played? The young woman will begin to sing in a language not of this world. Her melody will be the most beautiful one you have ever heard. Bring you peace and serenity to your mind, body and soul. You will find yourself vividly imagining a band of carefree children playing and singing, innocent as can be. And within minutes, the scene will eventually take a horribly sinister turn. The children will begin to fight each other and the conflict will quickly escalate to the most brutal, least of violence you can you can conceive Can't of. fight. They will impale each other on wooden poles, disembowel each other with sharp rocks, Jesus. and even rip flesh from bone with their bare hands. Oof. You will witness these children and now merely tatted double gangs of themselves, spread death and destruction more horrific than you can ever imagine on your own. You will see a naked boy drenched in blood, singing with delight as he runs through a hellish wasteland pursued by unspeakable monsters. They will overtake him and utterly destroy him, the song still issuing forth from his shattered lips as all the while, yet unexpectedly, you will remain calm and peaceful even as he watched this unspeakable brutality. Damn. When these horrific visions ends, an intense pain will stab you in the chest. Your heart will feel like it is about to explode. Do not let the agony break your focus, and do not break eye contact with a young woman, lest you invite a fate so horrible that an exploding heart seems lovely by comparison. <laughs> Damn. If you remain steadfast in your gaze, the pain will eventually cease. The woman will stand up, though with your eyes to focus on her, you will not know how, and place the music box in your hands. The music bo- box is object 6 of 538. When a song plays again, they will all come together. Alright, this is my last story. One's called Roommate Troubles. Ooh. One's kind of long, so bear with me. Okay. This actually happened to me a few years back at the University of Arts in Philadelphia. Oh, shit. My sophomore year, I roomed with a girl named Kara. She was a jazz vocalist, but her main interest was opera. We had a small room on the sixth floor of a dormitory called Juniper Hall. The walls were thin, and her late-night singing and voice practices would keep me up late. After a month or so of lost sleep, I convinced her to move her late-night practices to the music studios in the Merriam Theater building a block away. Around 8 o'clock one evening, Kara announced that she would be practicing late for an upcoming recital and probably wouldn't be home until around midnight. Great, I thought. That means I can go to bed early. She said goodnight and left, coffee and sheet music in hand. I made some grilled cheese and soup and gobbled it down and immediately began to prepare for bed. By the time I got out of the shower, my eyelids were so heavy I could hardly brush my teeth. I pulled on my PJs and crawled into the top bunk of our bunk bed. 
I was out as soon as my head hit the pillow. I woke up to the sound of the apartment door closing. I opened my eyes and groggily checked my phone. Midnight on the dot. I rolled back over and closed my eyes. I heard Kara enter the room and stop in front of the bunk bed. Checking to see if I'm actually asleep, I thought. She flopped down on the bed below me, which was strange as she was a stickler for brushing her teeth and washing up before bed. Then again, exams were just around the corner and we were all exhausted. The mattress below me creaked and then was silent. I couldn't even hear her breathing. I started to drift off again. I was just on the edge of deep sleep when I was startled awake again by a noise. A key in the lock, the door was opening, and Kara entering our apartment humming an opera tune. The mattress below me creaked. Dun dun dun! That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Really? Well, I mean, we can all imagine what happened next. Either nothing or they all died. But then how could she tell the story? A ghost? It was fake. I know it. Well, that was my last one. So why don't you top us off, boy? This is a seventh holder. The holder of paths. Enter the main facility via the first floor and go up to the front desk. Clear your throat and relax before asking in a stern and calm voice to be introduced to the holder of pass. The worker there will try his best to keep a look of indifference on his face while handing you a key, which as he will explain belongs to an unused supply closet in the building. If only it were that simple, upon locating and unlocking the correct door, you will find yourself staring out into a narrow winding road, suspended in an endless void. The sight only occasionally obstructs by the massive outlines of things best left undescribed. To fall off the path is to be thrown out of reality itself. Yep. An nightmarish entity of Inconceivable horror awaits anyone who either stumbles into the void by their own error or is dragged off by timeless monstrosities that reside in the outskirts of creation. You should ever feel as if you are being watched while traveling through this piece of oblivion. The best chance you have is to immediately freeze in place and hold your breath. Continue to do so until your audience either loses interest or moves on moves in to claim you. If the latter should occur, feel free to scream as hard as you want, or your screams will fall in death ears. At the end of a pass lies a door that leads to a small dirt cracked room. Propped up against the room room's far wall is a heavily emaciated corpse. What's left of its skin has long since blackened with necrosis. Approach it and ask one question. How did they acquire guardians? In response to your query, the corpse will begin to stir. A stuttered glow will emit from its eyes, from its eye sockets, as it lifts the head, head and begins to whisper the long macabre history of the holder. It will speak an unholy pack and unspeakable atrocities within time. Its tale will touch upon every form of evil known to man or God, and a few forms that neither can comprehend. Furthermore, if told the title of any holder, 
A corpse will reveal that holder's history and the meaning of the object that it protects. Almost any holder. The holder of the past will never go into detail about itself. It is because the ghoul hopes that you will not question why it seems to be lacking an object. Truth be told, the ominous glow from within the ghoul's eye sockets is actually the shining light of the object that was somehow sealed inside its own skull. You have to be able to kill this form of the holder, kill it, and its true form will reveal itself and give you a key. The key is object 7 of 538. Its holder will do anything to keep you away from it. And yes, a key. I'm gonna read the last one. Go for it. I see. Let's finish off this set. Enter the main facility via the first floor and go up to the front desk. Clear your throat and relax before asking in a stern, calm voice to be introduced to the holder of wealth. The worker, worker would raise one eyebrow as if puzzled by your request. <laughs> Ask a second time and the worker would take you into a rickety elevator and stop on a floor that has a smudged button. All of the buttons were being broken in various ways. The elevator will stop after, after several minutes and will open to a dark hallway with the door at the very end of it where an opulent mansion awaits. If you are observed by nature, you may notice that the mansion is a very pristine mansion. However, it has rather, well, suffice to say, a stuffy aura. Its owner would rather you didn't think about such things. Inside the front door will lie a grand staircase spiraling up across the foyer. The wall will be covered with fine paintings and a large marble statue will rest on a pedestal at, by the base of the stairs. The statue's eldritch features yeah, eldritch, okay, will evoke an image of truly horrifying beasts, horrific beasts. At once, both alien and evil, admire it all you want, but don't touch it. Unless to awaken, unless you wish to awaken the, the star of monsters. So never touch it. Don't touch. No touch you touch. Don't touch. Stripper rules. You can look, but you can't touch. As in the staircase, as long as you don't touch anything, you will be safe. Do not panic. At top of the stairs, you will find a small wooden door. Its plain and unassuming appearance is a sharp contrast to its decent surroundings. It will open on its own for you, as long as you are not afraid. Past it, you will see a gen- you see a man with a pointed goatee and a sharp, jowled hair stand behind a large mahogany desk. His suit is made both of human flesh and Italian silk. Damn, some suit. He may speak, and at great lengths, he will talk about his amazing, beautiful house and the lovely statues of his combined, of his concubine resting downstairs. Hmm. So that's his concubine downstairs. Damn, boy. Do not interrupt him, and do not ask any questions he may ask. Do not answer any questions he may ask. When he is finished, stay yourself in comfort. Confidently ask. 
May I have my salary? He will proceed to explain to you in great detail the value of life. He will talk of things worse than death, and he will tell you exactly what you expects you to do. The fabulous interior of the room will rot away, and the floor will turn from French weave to dirt. The man's appearance will become cycloptic and unimaginably horrendous. He will fish out a small black banknote from his pockets of the human suit. The human suit, Brandon. Human suit. Human suit. And hand it to you. Inside the note is a strange coin. It says object 8 of 538. Its holder is counting you to spend it. And some more um, background on this object, apparently. Funny that the other ones don't have anything, but meh. This coin has the power to grant wishes of those who hold it. Though the wishes may come with a price, it's never known if they will. If they will. They cannot bring back the dead. They cannot make someone fall in love with you. Or do anything that make anyone comply to do something they will normally do. Genie rules. Yep. The wishes are strictly materialistic items. So no wishing for a bigger dick. Nope. No bigger dick. Well, then this was all pointless. Actually, no, it's materialistic, so it might work. <laughs> I don't know. You can try. Nice, nice, nice. And that's that. All right. Well, that was fun. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming. Hopefully, you enjoyed our stories. Uh, as always, all of our information is in the show notes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, email us, check out the Patreon. The Patreon. All that good shit. Sweet. Thank you all for listening. And uh, fuck you later. Bet. Okay. Bet. Bet. <laughs> Oof. All right. Blessed be y'all. Hail Satan. Have a good time. <laughs>